So it turns out there are already multiple podcasts called Pros and Cons. Have you got a better idea? Actually. Welcome to Going Pros, a podcast about convincing friends and family to bully you into doing the thing that you claim to love. It's me, I'm friends. (laughs) I'm A.D. Ellicott. I am a newbie fantasy and romance writer who is for some reason planning to write a sci-fi novel for NaNoWriMo. And I'm CZ Tux. I write a little bit of everything. And this NaNoWriMo, I think I'm going to write a high fantasy retelling of the Lindworm fairy tale. Nice. Thank you. So we've previously, in our grand total of one episode, oh yes, talked about our complicated relationships with writing and finding time to write, and how NaNoWriMo is going to solve all our problems. Let me stop you right there. It is not going to solve any of our problems, but it will give us new and interesting different problems. I knew I could count on you for encouragement. Yes, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So uh, we said that we'd read the intro and the first four chapters and then record us talking about the book. Um, Just a reminder, the book is called No Plot, No Problem, A Low-Stress, High-Velocity Guide to Writing a Novel in 30 Days. It's by Chris Beatty, the guy who invented NaNoWriMo. I have actually read this book before. Uh, It had been a minute, so I'm glad I read it again because I'd forgotten a bunch of the stuff that was in there. But this is your first time, so I'm going to make you talk about it. Excellent. You're welcome I, I love once being, again. I love being forced to talk yeah. uh, as the introvert in our introvert-extrovert friendship. Yeah. It's good <laughs> for you. So starting from, I guess, the, the introduction, what were your thoughts? Okay, so the intro is all about um, the author, Chris Beatty's NaNoWriMo experience. Um, there are a couple things in there. I think... The one that really stood out to me was that, like, being busy is good for your writing, actually. Uh, the the quote I have written down is, a rough draft is best written in the steam cooker of an already busy life. Um, so you should be set. Are you trying to imply that I might be slightly overcommitted? Um, just just quick question. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many conventions are you organising at the moment? It's only two. <laughs> That's less than last year. Um, anyway, uh, what, what, if that's your main takeaway from the intro, what did you take away from the first chapter? All right. So chapter one is all about what makes NaNoWriMo work. So the recipe seems to be three things. Uh, deadlines, getting over yourself, and then getting some writing bros. Now, I will note that is not how Chris Beatty put it, but I actually prefer your summation. I think that is a <laughs> significant improvement. Maybe you should go into developmental editing. Maybe. If you, are. if you need a break from writing, that's always an option. Never use many words where just a few will do. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a fantasy writer, sometimes use many words. It's more fun that way. But um, uh, I think... Uh, I know Beatty is a big advocate of a good deadline, which is kind of the whole point of NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Can um, attest, anything I've managed to finish, there has been a deadline involved. Oh, yeah. Easily 90% of everything I've ever achieved in my life was done in the last, like, hours before the deadline actually happened. So uh, I highly recommend those. Um, and I wish there were more of them. No, I don't, actually. They're very stressful. <laughs> Um, so, so deadline is part one of the, the NaNoWriMo recipe. Mm -hmm. Uh, the part two is getting over yourself. Um, though he specifically calls it exuberant imperfection. That is a very, um, 
guy in your MFA way of putting it, isn't it? Like, no <laughs> offense to Chris Beatty, but there's a it's, type is, of guy that he is, and it's really showing in that phrase. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the get over yourself section. Yes. Um, and what it, what it seems to boil down to is uh, you just, you've got to, you will develop this in order to get this done. Like, mm. you, you will develop a tolerance for imperfection if you're going to write 50,000 mm-hmm. words in a month. You don't get a choice. Uh, it's like like an immune response to this task. It's NaNoWriMo is is the perfectionism vaccine. You are on fire with these metaphors today, girl. Well done. Like that is, <laughs> I think that's exactly right. It is it is kind of it's a vaccine against perfectionism. It's a bit of a vaccine against letting the perfect be the enemy of the good, or in this case, the fucking finished. Um, yeah. So that's uh, uh, remind. What's what was the third part of the recipe again? Uh, so that one is writing in packs. That's writing with other writers. Um, and I have a, a very important question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the collective noun for a group of writers? Is it a pack? Oh, um, could be an alliteration of writers. I think I think the appropriate collective noun should be a chapter. Of writers. Oh, that is, that is good. That is good. What about um, an anthology of writers? An anxiety of writers. An anxiety of writers. <laughs> oh God. Um, um, a procrastination of writers. Anyway. anyway yes. So, <laughs> so the takeaway here is write with others. Yeah, um, and and I think um, we didn't really get into my NaNoWriMo experience beyond the fact that I had one. But one of the things that I do really enjoy about NaNoWriMo is the social aspect. Um, okay. So so tell me about that. Yeah. um, I mean, so one of the things with this is that it is going to be very different depending on where you physically are or whether you're doing this like online. Um, When I first started doing NaNoWriMo, I lived in Brisbane and Brisbane actually has this huge thriving NaNoWriMo community that gets together every year and they get together several times a week for um, for what's what's called a write in, which is kind of the building block of the in-person NaNoWriMo experience. It's basically... Everyone gathers in some kind of central location, usually like somewhere you can get some coffee or some food. So like a cafe or a a library next to a cafe or something along those lines. Um, And you're spending time writing, but you're spending time writing in company. So everyone's there on their laptops typing away together. Now, uh, currently we're based in Canberra and the Canberra NaNoWriMo community is definitely a lot smaller than Brisbane, partly because Canberra is approximately a fifth of the size of Brisbane, maybe maybe less than that, actually. but the Canberra Speculative Fiction Guild, um, those bastards, uh, <laughs> I love them, uh, are also hosting a couple of write-ins. And there's also a pretty thriving set of forums on nanorimo.org, which are full of like weird little forum games and like troubleshooting plot problems, word count challenges and all that kind of stuff. It can be pretty fun if that's your thing. Nice. All right. So, so those are the three things that are the NaNoWriMo recipe. Um, and then this chapter ends on a form that you signed to commit to doing NaNoWriMo or like attempting NaNoWriMo. You just have to say that you intend to write 50,000 words. Now, as someone who has previously worked in mental health, I am very familiar with the uh, meaningless commitment contract. I think we can skip that part if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that being said, here is a document that for no reason I would love for you to sign in blood. Um, okay, so uh, this is this is an audio medium, um, but for our dear hypothetical listeners, I just want you to know I saw a 
flash of hellfire in Tax's eyes for I a moment there. can neither confirm nor deny my current legal entitlement to your soul. Cool, cool. This does not make me nervous at all. Good. All right, uh, chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> we have such a trusting and loving relationship. Anyway, uh, yes. ch- chapter two is about how do you find time to write for NaNoWriMo? Um, and then how do you, you get your friends and family to bully you into actually finishing? So if I recall, this is the chapter where we repeat every single piece of managing your time advice ever in history in a very condensed format, including going sort of just writing down every single thing you do in your day in excruciating detail and then figuring out what you're going to stop doing in November so that you can do writing instead. Is that? Yeah, that, that about uh, sums it up. Um, uh, in some ways, this is interesting. In some ways, not particularly interesting. I, I did this exercise and found that, like, there is there is theoretically a couple of hours in my day for writing. Yes. There is a, in theory. In theory. In theory. In theory is, I think, the heavy bit. Because um, when it came down to it, like, I got to take the dog to the vet or I've got to clean the dishes Ugh, or I need dishes. to, you know, do laundry because I'm running out of underwear Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and that you you can't avoid that and also it's not like easy to like plan it out day to day I mean one potential solution here is simply buying new underwear for every single day in November but that is you know potentially not the best solution available to you no it's not the most sustainable way and it, it does not deal with the dishes or the vet appointments. Yeah, that's true. Or the other miscellany of life. Yeah, miscellany of life is my nemesis. Also, I got to tell you, I looked at the screen time app on my phone for the first time in a while, and I was so shocked and appalled by how long I spent on pointless doom scrolling of various apps that I don't even want to admit to the number in public. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's what (laughs) I'm going to try to give up to do NaNoWriMo is uh, just uh, I may have to throw my phone off a bridge. (laughs) <laughs> just just the small like not particularly dramatic changes you've got to make to to get through the month <laughs> yes um getting rid of my smartphone and replacing it with a nokia brick that can do nothing more sophisticated than the occasional game of snake sounds like the only possible solution here excellent um i think aside from the the find time in your day strategy there's also strategies in here for how you should spread your word count out over the month mm. So, like, you're going to have some bad days, you'll need to expect that, and you actually need to write more than the bare minimum average word count to get to your goal. Yeah. So that would be, like, if you were spreading it evenly, it's about 1,700 words. But yeah. you got to do more than that. Yeah, so uh, I think it's, it's 1,667 words a day or something if you're splitting it absolutely evenly. But also, like... Uh, plenty of people do uh, like a, a modified NaNoWriMo. I think I've heard it called the reverse NaNoWriMo where they basically, they sort of front load it. So they the first couple of days while the energy is high and they've managed to clear their schedule, they try to smash out as many words as possible. And then by the time they get to November 30th, they're doing like one word a day. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I know for a fact that in my day job, in November, it's going to get worse over time. Uh, with that in mind, I do want to try to get ahead of schedule and write, say, I don't know, three-ish thousand words a day for the first week or so, just to build up a buffer. And then I can kind of relax and drop my pace down to like a thousand words a day or something more reasonable over the rest of the month. Okay. 
Um, my month is, I know, going to be just randomly bad at unpredictable mm. points. Yes. That is how my November evolves work-wise. Mm-hmm. So what I think I'm going to try and do is, like, spread it kind of evenly with a little bit of extra buffer. So I'm yep. going to try for, for 2,000 words, so about 300 extra per day when I start, maybe 3,000 on the weekends. Mm. Um, and then that, that gives me a little bit of a buffer for work to go crazy or to have some kind of scheduled breakdown. Yes, I do thoroughly recommend scheduling your breakdowns in advance. I also want to point out that um, I am a freak of nature. I type extremely fast because in a previous life, I actually transcribed audio for a living and I got paid by the number of words per hour I put out. And that was a great motivator in learning to type like an like an actual demon. So um, 3,000 words a day might be a little ambitious. <laughs> Um, I think 3,000 words occasionally, probably fine, but I would not gamble on, I would not make that the linchpin of your NaNoWriMo strategy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just especially since this is your first time. <laughs> so that being said, uh, I know you like it when things go according to plan. So I do think scheduling the breakdowns is a good idea. I'm going to do my best. Mm. Um, all right. So the final bit of this chapter is about getting the people around you to bully you into finishing the job. Now, do you think well-intentioned social pressure will work for you? I I do think so. Yeah. So as mentioned, the, the projects I have finished have mm-hmm. involved a deadline. Yes, including the excellent story Maintenance Phase by A.D. Ellicott, now available in the Body of Work anthology edited by CZ Tax from csfg.org.au. Subtle. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the reason I was able to get that done, there was a deadline. Yeah. Um, but there have also definitely been projects with deadlines that I have just, like, let them completely blow past me. Yeah. And yep. I think the difference between the deadlines I pay attention to and the deadlines I don't is that social pressure. Yes. I will disappoint myself without batting an eyelash, but if I have to disappoint other people, that's much harder for me psychologically. Yeah. Like, I, I, knew, I, I knew you would give me hell if I didn't submit anything for the anthology. Yes, and that is correct. As discussed, I may in fact be a literal demon. So um, obviously I will shame you in the event of failure, uh, but you are used to me. I believe you are building up something of a tolerance. We've been friends for a (laughs) while now. So who else are you going to get involved? So I am going to tell some friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to tell anyone at work which is the advice from the book, because people will think you are writing when you should be working. Yes. Um, I am potentially going to post a little bit about it on on the social media, so it's out there for the whole world to see. And would you like to, in the interests of keeping that social pressure going, drop your Instagram handle <laughs> at this time? I am at acidropwriting on Instagram. And we will and also be posting this in the show notes, and I will also... I don't love Instagram, but as an act of solidarity, I will also post some stuff on Instagram. My handle on literally all the social media platforms is CZTax, but my appearance on them is extremely sporadic. <laughs> and now we progress to chapter three, which for, I believe from memory has almost no demon summoning in it. Very, very little demon summoning. It is mainly about summoning your inner writer. And um, what what exactly is involved in the summoning ritual? I saw there was neither blood nor pentagrams, and I kind of tuned out. No, I think it's got some of the, the standard ingredients for mm-hmm. a summoning ritual, which is, you know, a sacred location, some cursed objects, and lots of offerings. So what I'm hearing is anywhere with a desk, a thing you can write words with, and snacks. 
pretty much. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. that uh, that that would work on me. I will say. <laughs> so all of all of the suggestions in this chapter are about getting in the right mood. Like, yeah, have your little cafe spot with your little special pen and the hat that makes you feel like a writer and the hot drink for the vibes. Um, and I can absolutely get behind that. Can I confess that I'm actually extremely ambivalent about this advice? I have, I'm very torn. I have two completely opposing viewpoints on this. Okay, so what are these, these opposing viewpoints? Okay, so on the one hand, like, it, you know, having rituals and, like, little sensory triggers to get your brain into the right mode is super good. Like, I have, like, a playlist that I put on that's, like, my writing playlist, and that kind of tricks my brain into starting up. I love to put on, as as you know, I love a good scented candle or, like, putting something fancy in the oil burner and stuff like that. But the danger is that if you're always if you need all of those things to write if you need things to be perfect before you write you're actually not going to get that much writing done Mm -hmm. do you see the problem that i am having here i do i do if (laughs) if you're always waiting for the perfect moment yeah like no moment is ever going to be perfect exactly and like i think there's there's some stuff in this chapter to help you just write anywhere and everywhere yes um I, I did pick myself up a Bluetooth keyboard so I yes. could write in the break room or in my car while I'm waiting to go into yep. an appointment or whatever. I wrote most of my uh, novel from earlier this year on an Alpha Smart, which is a, a very old school uh, sort of early 2000s piece of tech it's basically just a keyboard that you have to physically plug into a computer to upload the words from you can't browse the internet on it and that was incredibly valuable for me yeah so i think like some of that is is the in the vein of you're right wherever you can but some of it is like as you said like yeah sensory triggers getting your brain into the like this is writing time absolutely and oh here's my personal hot tip which is uh video game soundtracks Okay. Um, they are specifically designed by the composers to be unobtrusive while also prompting you to continue taking actions in a video game. And they also work really well for being unobtrusive while prompting you to keep writing. Uh, my personal favorite right now is the Horizon Zero Dawn soundtrack, but I also like just pick pick a game, pick any game. It will probably have a pretty good soundtrack for that purpose. I am going to have to try this out. There are lots of fun little writing tips that are useful and sometimes anger-inducing, like the fact that you should try writing in Comic Sans if you have writer's block. Hey, did you know that that will actually work, though? I did not, and I wish I did not, because I don't want to have to look at Comic Sans when I get writer's block. It's not about the Comic Sans. (laughs) It is, in fact, you can do it without Comic Sans, but, like, changing up what you're looking at can be really helpful. If your brain's just getting stuck on looking at black text on a white background, you might put your computer in dark mode or whatever. Like it's, it's about switching it up. Okay. But Hey, good news. Mm-hmm. I think we've made it to the part of the book that you like. Yes. This is chapter four, the part of the book that I like because yes. it is, it is planning and plotting. Yes. Uh, the and stuff that I, I'm allergic to. <laughs> but I, I adore, this is yes. the bit of writing that I love. Um, but the prescription here is you are not allowed to do too much of it, which made yes. me sad. Yes. I, I don't like, I know that, Everyone is different. 
Um, but I simply do not understand the people who like plot every single detail out because once I have plotted every single detail out, my brain decides that that is the same as having written the whole book. And then I cannot write the book because I have already written the book according to my brain. <laughs> my brain does not like it. It is a very painful process all of a sudden. Yeah. So I think that is, that is at the core of the advice to not overplot here is that you can't get too attached to your plot because yes. then you're not willing to like go with the flow. Yeah. Um, but also you need to keep a little bit of mystery, like something exciting to keep yeah. you writing. And I think also like um, there's actually a, a, an author I met in Canada of all places, uh, C.C. Humphreys, who's this very, very prolific writer. He's written fantasy. He's written historical fiction. He's written like a World War II spy novel. He's written a bit of everything. Um, and his advice is, is basically that, you know, people talk about like the purpose of a scene is to advance the plot and develop the character and da 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 da. And he's like, no, 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 no. The purpose of the scene is to keep the reader reading. But before that, the purpose of the scene is to keep the writer writing. And sometimes that means that you can't tell yourself what happens in that scene. You've got to f- go and, and let yourself discover it and mm. actually keep yourself engaged in that process. Yeah. So a, a lot of a lot of this advice is yeah, keeping keeping stuff in there to get you hyped for your story. Yes. So one of the things he suggests is, like, writing up a list of things that you absolutely love in stories, like the stories you love to read. Yes. Uh, So your favorite character types and tropes and themes, setting styles, whatever. Like, what what shows up in all of the stories that you love? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Amy Kaufman, who we met at Conflux uh, earlier this year, um, gave us a really good writing exercise in a similar vein that she was calling the id list. I think Chris Beatty calls it the Magna Carta mm. for your novel. And um, I am going to call you out here. <laughs> One thing I did notice, because we both did this exercise, your um, your hypothetical sci-fi NaNoWriMo has not very much in common with what ended up on your, your Magna Carta. No, that is true. My, my plotting has been very, like, high-level theoretical, like – interesting concept what if we explored this Mm. um so what i think i'm gonna try to do and i don't know if i will succeed is to smush a bunch of things from my magna carta my my wish list um into the plot that has sort of been floating around Mm -hmm. and create some franken monstrosity which has a 1% chance of being, like, an awesome genre blend and a 99% chance of being absolute steaming garbage, but exuberant imperfection. Yeah, yeah, real guy in your MFA shit. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, and it's the same. It's, I think the advice is broadly similar with characters. It's, like, pick characters that you want to get to know because you've got to spend a month with them. Honestly, for me personally, even the amount of, like, you know, writing down character backstory that he's got in the book is probably unnecessary for me because um, that is a really good way for me to be procrastinating. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, you laugh, but I'm not joking. Uh, I will absolutely spend eons mapping out a character's backstory, which will not appear in the novel, which does not matter. I need to know, like, the thing that is motivating them in the scene that they're in and everything else I kind of need to designate as, like, I'll figure that out when it comes up. Otherwise, I will just be there forever, not actually writing the damn story. I may have also done this. Um, (laughs) but moving on. So the other bit is if you do have like a little bit of a plot in mind, he talks a bit about pitching it to yourself, like boil it down to 
the interesting, exciting bits that you would use to sell this story to someone, you've yeah. got to sell it to yourself. Yes. Uh, and keep those exciting bits in mind as you write. Are you familiar with the concept of a comp title? Vaguely. Okay, so basically a comp title is a vibes-based comparison of your book with two to three existing books that are like out in the world that are published or like not even necessarily books, movies work for this as well, um, that will give an approximate idea of what your story is. But again, extremely vibes based. You know, if I say one of my comp titles is Indiana Jones, I don't necessarily mean that, you know, it follows the plot of Temple of Doom exactly uh, or Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. I mean that there's probably archaeology. It's probably very pulpy. And there's probably a guy with a hat and a whip at some point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, I describe the novel that I am currently desperately trying to finish editing as uh, the lies of Locke Lamora meets Cushiel's dart and then discovers Marxism, right? <laughs> Vibes based. There's not a con man. I mean, there's a con man, but the but protagonist is not a con man. Uh, but those two books describe really well the combination of like the fantasy setting, um, the class structures that my protagonists are engaging in uh, and the vibes overall, the political sort of maneuvering and like social combat as opposed to like sword fight vibes of that book right Mm -hmm. so getting two good comp titles is a really good way of like psyching yourself up for your Mm. book this is like the purpose of a comp title is to pitch right so yeah it's the pitching it to yourself and a little bit of the stuff on your magna carta rolled up into one but i i think that uh that pitching it to yourself is a really good idea and i do know there's at least one very successful author out there who i am friends with who is forever going to be much more successful than me because she's an incredible once in a generation talent the bastard um (laughs) (laughs) tell me how you really feel no 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 great person love her desperately envious of her, her many skills and talents but who actually when she's outlining a book when she is plotting she starts with the query letter she starts with comp titles and like the log line and like how she would sell this to an agent so that she knows what's exciting about it. And she's got a really clear picture of the vibes. It's like a, a words-based version of putting together like a Pinterest mood mm-hmm, board, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that's a, a fun way to, to do that. So that like brings us pretty much to the end of chapter four. Like that is that is all the prep that you were allowed to do for NaNoWriMo. And looking back at those four chapters, that's actually quite a lot that we've covered. That's mm-hmm. quite a lot of material in there. There's a lot of different strategies there's a lot of different things to try and we left a lot out (laughs) we did leave a lot out we've really skimmed through this is very much the highlights reel um and if you want more you can go and get your own copy of the book and Mm -hmm. read it yourself support your local library uh or support chris Beatty if you prefer um what are three things that you yourself are actually going to do whether or not that was in the book Mm -hmm. to try and get some nanowrimo done okay okay so a lot of what gets discussed like the deadlines and the social pressure that's kind of built into the concept of NaNoWriMo Mm -hmm. um so over and above that some of the specific things I'm going to try um I think I'm going to try doing the planning with a specific eye to making the writing process as fun as possible Mm -hmm. um so so writing up that list of things I want to see uh pitching cool things about the plot to myself. Yep. Um, 
I'm going to try writing pretty much anywhere I can. So I've um, I got to get use out of that shiny new keyboard because it cost me monies. <laughs> um, and I'm going to try and join some of the group write-ins. So that's that's my strategy. Those are my three yeah. takeaways. Cool. What about you? Um, so group write-ins are also a key feature of my strategy. I tend to get a lot more writing done when I am observed than when I am unobserved, because once again, I can let myself down, no problem. But if other people will be disappointed in me, that's very challenging. Um, I'm also going to uh, try to get back into the habit of getting up early and writing before I do anything else with my day. Um, I found that really useful. Um, I think that if I try to write after work, my brain is just so fried that I'm not doing my best work. I'm slower than I am earlier in the day. I get frustrated with myself and it kind Mm. of puts me in this like bad mood spiral that can be really annoying and really hard to break out of. So I'm going to try to schedule my writing for before work or like on weekends wherever possible and like try to make sure that it's something that I'm doing first thing in my day before I can get bogged down in looking at spreadsheets and answering (laughs) the same email and being in a meeting that could have been an email. Um, And I think the other thing as well is just um, really, uh, as as you said, um, writing stuff that I'm excited about, because if it's boring for me to write it, I can't imagine that a reader is going Mm. to enjoy reading it either. So, yeah. Uh, Are you feeling prepared? Are you feeling ready? Are you feeling psyched about NaNoWriMo? Um, Those are three different questions. Uh, Psyched? Maybe. Prepared and ready? Absolutely not. Welcome to the club. Let's do this. <laughs> Going Prose is hosted by A.D. Ellicott and CZ Tax. Our intro and outro music is by Nathan J. Phillips. For more information on the podcast, including where to find us on social media, visit czntax.com podcast or check the episode notes. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal people.